Well, good evening, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm in a little bit different spot tonight, aren't I? Yes, you are. But, uh, I'm, uh, are we ready to praise the Lord? Yes. All right, I'm going to say it again. Are we ready to praise the Lord? Yes. There you go. Even with my headphones on, I can hear you. Good. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, um, I would like to welcome Brother Danny tonight. He's uh, showed up tonight to come to church with us, so praise God he's here. Welcome, brother. Welcome. Welcome, welcome everybody. Amen? Amen? Glad you're all here. I love seeing my, my brothers and sisters' faces. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to read a verse and pray, and we'll get into some praise and worship. Amen? I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Amen? Amen. That's what we're going to do tonight. Amen. All right. Would you please stand? All right, let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you. You're such an amazing God. And tonight we just want to want to bring praise to you. We want to sing to you and shout to you and show you how much we love you. So tonight, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just uh, help us to open up our hearts and minds to you. Lord, not just in praise and worship, but also when the, the word is broke in front of us, Lord, that we will be able to take it and Use it in our daily lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless your instruments, Lord, not just the the the, the ones that uh, we are using, but also ourselves, Lord. Lord, bless us. Give us the strength, the courage, and the wisdom to bring everybody into that place of praise. And Lord, to our, our pastor as he prepares to bring the word. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. And what you're doing in the lives of those around us, Lord. Just continue to use us mightily. We love you, we praise you, we honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stay standing.
To our Lord, and I will live my voice. 
Love more
Jesus, sovereign Lord and King, Lord, not just of all creation, but Lord of the ones that you will bring into existence still, the ones that have not yet come to your kingdom, Lord, you still will reign, Lord, at your, at your very name, every knee will bow to your glory, Lord, we surrender ourselves tonight, Lord. Fill us with your presence. Giving up my 
Lord, you are worthy. You are holy. you, Lord. We surrender all to you today. Let your presence fill this place. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let your hand be upon the service tonight. Let your will be done. speaker. See, brings your message, Lord. Let our ears be open to hear. Let our eyes be open to see. Let our hearts be good ground for your implanted word, Lord. We love you so much. We can't give you enough praise. We can't give you enough glory, Lord. And we thank you that we will have eternity Praise the Lord, church, for who he is and what he does for us and what he offers to every person on this planet. He's an amazing God. A few words taken out of Romans 12. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, and given to hospitality. Let us pray. Father, we come before you tonight. We humble ourselves before you. We know you have provided a way so we don't get what we really deserve. Because you took what you didn't deserve for us. We thank you for that, Lord. Help us to never forget and never to minimize the great sacrifice you made for us. We praise your name for it. We thank you for the blessings 
that have come to each and every one of us, the little things and the big things. We ask for your perseverance with us as we deal with our fleshly desires and as we become sanctified by you to live more in your image. Lord, be with every individual here tonight and those that couldn't be with us. Each person has needs. Each person has desires. Each person has pains and trouble. We know you know each and every one of us even better than we know ourselves. Lord, we ask you to guide us and lead us and help us, strengthen us, and bring us to the place where you want us to be, the place where you created us to be. Help us to see that place through your eyes, the way you see us. Help us to see each other the way you see us. And help us to be kind one to another. Help us to pray for each other as we know the other person's needs. Help us to hold each other up. Help us to give a smile and a word of encouragement to each person we talk to. You are what we need, Lord, and we know that. Use us as your instruments here to spread your word and your goodness and your mercy and your peace. And we will give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel a little weird being back on this mic. <laughs> amen. Praise God. One of the... Um... Yeah, I can hear me. One of the things that uh, I've been praying about and pondering this week was something I read a while ago, and I'm sure you've all read it too in, in the Bible, um, it's called the Prayer of Jabez. And I was really pondering that this week because I've been so blessed. And it, it's amazing that, that when I think about that prayer and think about how he says, bless me indeed, God, bless me indeed. He wants God to bless him so hugely that others will see God's power through him because only God is able to bless like that. And I feel like that this week. I feel like God has blessed me so much that if you don't see God in my life, amen? Amen. amen. All right. <laughs> Let me get this emotion out here. <laughs> uh, all right. Now we're going to invite our brother Seku to come break the bread of life. But before he comes, you know what time it is. <laughs> I have a question for you. Why were all the mice in disguise? They were attending a masquerade party. with me for low spots in the recording and is what is this he gets on me 
It's all good, though. I praise God. We, we made it through another week. We're here with one another. And um, for those who are, um, well, number one, for those who are just joining us for the first time, um, this is an awesome kind of intimidating um, privilege that we have in that we set out many years ago to create a safe, a safe place for God's registered citizens and their support structures to worship and to be able to go into a, a setting and feel comfortable to worship without having to worry about rules and things. Um, things you got to watch out for. We could just come in and we could be free. Um, we don't have to worry about, you know, while I'm trying to worship, is so-and-so looking at me crazy. In this church, if they're looking at you crazy, it's probably because they have their contacts in the wrong eye. Um, and so it's, it's humbling that God is adding to the church such as should be saved and such as need to be here. And it's a, it's a wonderful uh, blessing to be able to come into it um, and to be able to support and to share and to help uh, because this is only the beginning. Granted, we've been in this building for now two years. Um, and we've been meeting in living rooms and things like that, but this is only the beginning, and God is not one to say, okay, this is good enough. He's always in progression, even though we don't think that he is. Uh, so turn to Acts chapter 11. Acts, the 11th chapter, we're going to be reading 19 through 26. And since um, Kevin's always getting on me, it seems. So since we need a title, we're going to title this Go, Grow, and Go Forward. So tell somebody next to you so Kevin doesn't forget. Go, grow, and go forward. Uh, if you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say amen. amen. <laughs> Let's all stand in honor of reading God's word if you're able. The book of Acts, the 11th chapter, we're reading 19 through uh, 26, says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the, with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Father, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that it is your spirit that speaks to each and every one of us what it is that we need to hear. We thank you for the blessing of being able to look in your word freely and to have the totality of your word. We pray that this opportunity doesn't go to waste. Let our hearts be open to your spirit. Let our spirits resonate with yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So in this sermon, 
uh, go grow and go forward, there's two main aspects that we're going to be looking at. One main aspect, really. One is the person and the other is the place. The place is secondary, but it is important. The reason being is because, number one, Antioch is not Jerusalem. It's 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It is in the hills. And so, <laughs> so Antioch is not even Israel. But by the same token, if you look at Christian history, early Christian history, next to Jerusalem, Antioch is extremely important in early Christianity. It also goes to say that they were first called Christians at Antioch. The significance of that is that the church started where? Jerusalem. They weren't called Christians until Antioch. We're still called Christians to this day. But it was something about what happened in Antioch that people started calling them Christians rather than just that group or as some had said, the sect or the people of the way. They actually got a name that has identified them for well over at least 1,800 years. Christians. Somehow Antioch was powerful enough in what was going on there that people gave them a name that was recognizable and applicable to everybody who followed Christ from Antioch to Jerusalem to Phoenix, Arizona to Alaska to wherever it is that you're at, you are called Christians and that started in Antioch. This was not a uh, usual religious location. This wasn't indoctrinated with one God only. This is a Roman city full of paganism and yet we're called Christians starting in Antioch. But this is about uh, the ministry of Barnabas. We know Barnabas. Barnabas and Saul, later on it became Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas is kind of the silent partner, or at least the not as much discussed partner in this relationship. We know of Paul. He wrote many scriptures, which we argue about to this day, whether we're of Pauline doctrine or Peter doctrine or all the rest of these, but Paul wrote a significant part of the New Testament. But Paul got his start by being introduced by Barnabas. Barnabas is the one that brought him to the church when and everybody ran out the windows. <laughs> Barnabas was the introduction of Paul at that time, Saul, into the church popular. And what you look at in the beginning of this is that they're all spread out. Uh, it says, and those were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen. Uh, guess who was at the center of that? Saul. Barnabas went and got that Saul to come to Antioch, a situation that he, in part, helped create. Barnabas is a Levite. A Levite is the son of Aaron, a descendant of Aaron. They are the only ones in Judaism that can serve in the priesthood. He is from that family. However, he is not serving in the priesthood, but he is very aware of his lineage. However, one thing about Levites is they're really not supposed to have land. And Barnabas, who actually, that's a nickname, his name was uh, Joseph or Joseph, um, he was given that name when he first came to the church. And when he first came to the church, it wasn't, let me check this out and see what it's about. In Acts 4, 36 and 40, 47, it says, and Joseph, who was also named Barnabas, 
by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. In other words, they recognized a gift on the inside of him and said, this is, this is an encourager. He's a son of encouragement. So they, they stopped calling him Joseph and started calling him Barnabas. And he is known to us as Barnabas or the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus and having land, which is a little unusual, sold it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is Barnabas' start. Now, when this situation comes up about Antioch, they send this Barnabas to go investigate. And we're going to be talking about three episodes that happened with Barnabas here. The first one is that Barnabas was sent to observe. He didn't just go on his own. He was sent to observe. The church had heard of what was going on in Antioch and said, you know what? We need to send somebody from our number to go and check this thing out. And they picked the son of encouragement. And after they prayed and went on about this, he was sent out from a place that he was very familiar with, from a situation that he was very accustomed to, into a place that would become foreign to him. A lot of us think that the call of God is going to take us to where our gifts are best used, and our personality best fits in. But when we look at Barnabas, as he was sent to a location, he went to a location that was not what he was used to. Number one, the Jerusalem church is very familiar. He's Jewish, by the way. He is a Levite. So even though he is in Cyprus, he understands the culture. And now he goes from a largely Jewish church to a largely Gentile church. Their ways are different. Their customs are different. Their background is different. They talk different. They don't even have the same, you know how like there's two types of people in this church. There's the Star Wars people and they're the, the ones that can't stand Star Wars. So where's Anthony? So Anthony and I can make a, we can make a joke about, you know, Sith Lord. Jedi Knights and all of that, you know, knock, knock, who's there? We can make a joke and we'll be just laughing because it makes total sense to us as to how idiotic somebody's name is Count Doku. And, and then everybody else will go, well, that is a dumb name, but I don't get it. There, we speak different. Star Wars nerds speak different than normal civilians. <laughs> and this is what he's going into. He is a civilian going into a whole scenario and setting of people that have a whole different background and different culture. He goes from comfortable to what we would call uncomfortable, but really what God would call challenging. Because in being sent, not going because we choose to go, but being sent by God who orders our steps means that every single place that he puts us no matter how uncomfortable it may be, how foreign it may be, if God sends us there, it's there to challenge us. It's there to challenge us. Because nobody grows without exercise. Nobody go, grows without a challenge. Nobody grows without testing. There's, there's several among us that go to the gym. I'm not one of them. I have a bike. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, when you go to the gym, if you want to bench press 300 pounds and you weigh 150, 
you got work to do. You got some challenges to go through in order to bulk up and then exercise that muscle so that you can bench press whatever it was that I said. You got to work to that. And sometimes it's not easy. And so when you find that God sends you someplace, you think it's going to be all well and dandy. And if it gets uncomfortable, then you can leave. But in all actuality, if God puts you in the uncomfortable, it's so that you can grow. It's so that you get a challenge that's going to make your gift and your calling and who you are as a new creature in Christ rise to the surface. Now, let me give you a warning, a little disclaimer. In the beginning of your testing and trials and wherever it goes that God puts you that's uncomfortable, the new man in Christ and your gifts and your calling aren't the only thing that's going to rise to the surface. <laughs> You might get upset, disgruntled, frustrated, angry, irritated, all the other aids and all the other words that come in between when you run into a challenge you think you can't face. But in all actuality, what God is showing you is that this is what I put in you. If it's gold, silver, and precious stones, glory be to God, let that grow. And if it's wood, hay, and stubble, I will burn it out, but you will realize what doesn't work in the kingdom. So either way, you're gaining. Even if you're losing, you're gaining. Even if you're seeing the ugly side of you, you're gaining. Because if you repent and move forward, then God is removing the things that hinder you so that you can grow stronger in what it is that he called you to do. We have to learn how to surrender to his GPS. Not global positioning system, God's positioning system. Because for each and every one of us, he has a place for us to go and a place for us to be. And sometimes we disagree with it. I really wanted to be back in Minnesota, but I knew that that was not going to happen. Some of y'all wanted to be in another country. Some of y'all wanted to be in another state. Some of y'all wanted to be in a different family. And God, said, <laughs> and God said, you need to be right here. Well, I, this, they ain't my type of people. This ain't my type of customary situation. They don't do things the same way we do it. You need to be right here. See, Barnabas went with open eyes. When he saw what was going on there, it brought up something on the inside of him. Even though the place was against where he normally would go, what he saw there brought something on the inside of him and stirred him up that he wanted to be part of this. He went looking at what God was doing. You know most people go to churches because they like the music? Or they like the preacher, or they like the coffee and bacon and egg breakfast that happens on Sunday morning. That's usually the Baptist. Pentecostals don't feed you. They're going to run you, and you go somewhere else and go eat. <laughs> but at the end, I'm, we're not a Pentecostal church. We're, we don't go by denominations like that. But at the end of the day, when he went, he went to see what God was doing because he was sent there. A lot of us go to churches because we like it, but we don't gain from it because that's not where God called for us to go. You might get called to go to a church that's, you know, one stop away from the zone, which we ain't that far from it. One stop away from the zone, one stop away from chaos and craziness and, 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 and it's in the hood and you go, I don't want to be there. I want to be at, you know, Christ Church of the Valley or some big church over there where it's nice and they got a Starbucks and a fog machine. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And he says, no, I want you to go here. And so you go to that church with the, with the Starbucks and the coffee, the coffee machine, the fog machine, and you go in there and you're like, I'm so empty here because you didn't go where God called you to go. Come on, if you went where God called you to go, you may not necessarily like the setting, but you start seeing, okay, this is why God put me here. There's a reason why I need to be here. There are people in this church who walked into the uncomfortable didn't even know who we were, didn't know anybody in the church, walked in, the, walked in that door on, on a church night, and we're like, oh, this is, uh, I wasn't warned about this. <laughs> and it wasn't easy for them. They went, through, uh, they went through and we went through a whole lot of resettling and a whole lot of, because it was a new situation to us and a new situation to them. And, and it was a bumpy road for a little bit. But that bumpy road was a challenge, a challenge that not only opened our eyes to something we wouldn't have looked at before, but it was a challenge to get us to look at some of the things as we would normally look at it and say, look at how God looks at it. And at the end of the day, what started out bumpy, I, I am seeing some of the best relationships that I have seen out of it that we would have missed out on had we had gone a different direction instead of following God's direction. This, this, this thing that we're doing is not, okay, I'm going to go on Saturday night or Sunday and just hang out. This is real life. This is new life. This isn't the old way and old man way of doing things or walking to a church because I like the music or whatever. This is a work and a ministry that is going on with each and every one of us that is in here because there are real people involved and this is God's plan. So if we go where we think we want to go because we like it, we may miss out on what God has for us because we're not looking at it through his truth. See, we can take a lesson from Barnabas that when he went there, he looked for God's glory. He saw God's grace evident. There's a cycle about grace. The word for grace, charis, uh, from the Strong's means graciousness as gratifying of manner or act. It can be used abstract or concrete literal or figurative, spiritual, but I want you to hear this. It says, especially of the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life, including gratitude. Grace, most, most of us look at it and we go, okay, grace is all about God working on the inside of me. There's a, another side of that. That's God working on the inside of you and your gratitude for the work that he is doing on the inside of you. He works in you you give thanks to him. He works in you, you give thanks to him. You say, well, that's, that's absolutely a new concept. It's not new. You see it in Genesis 1, 2. Well, you see it, well, you see them, you see them mess up the cycle in 3. But in Genesis 2, God created man, but man was not man until God did what? Breathed in him the breath of life. So now when he exhales, that life should be going back to God. So that cycle is built in. God pours in, we give back. God pours in, we give back. And you see that in almost everything that you do unto the Lord. He gives you strength, you pour out. He gives you wealth, you pour out. He gives you health, you pour out. He gives you life, you pour out. 
The most miserable Christians are the ones that God blesses and they just sit up somewhere and don't do nothing with it. We go where we are sent. We go where we are sent. That's something that we can learn from Barnabas. If God says, go here, despite what it looks like, despite what the rumors are, God said, go here, therefore I'm going to go. When Barnabas went and saw and was glad because of what was going on, he didn't just sit back and observe. This is number two. He went and participated. He became embroiled. He was a part of what was going on there. He just sat right down and started pouring out his gift in order to help this thing grow even further. Barnabas didn't hold back. He poured out his gifting in an environment that he was sent to. The body of Christ is not a bunch of individual pieces that just do their own thing. We have one head, Jesus Christ. And just like any human body, the body of Christ interacts with one another. Let me say that again. The body of Christ interacts with one another. Just like your arm is connected to your elbow and your elbow is connected to your Shoulder bone and your shoulder bones connected to your. <laughs> but if for some reason this arm and this hand are on the same page and this part here decides that it wants to go another way, I got a problem. I got a problem. If my right leg, my right arm and my left arm and my head are all going, we're going to that side. And my left leg is like there's cookies back there. Then I'm going to be walking like this, and anybody that sees somebody walking like that, you would say there's a problem. <laughs> the cookie is the problem. The temptation is trying to draw a part of me away, and then it's going to become consumed with its own lust and entice, and yeah. That's humorous. But that's what happens to us. It takes all of us in order for us to work. Each and every one of us surrender to God and work, letting his grace work through us in order for me to pour out my blessing on him. And then he pours out his blessing on him. He pours out what God gives him towards me because I am not exempt. Just because I've done this, uh, look, the shepherd smells like the sheep. I have been where most of y'all have been, and some of y'all have been on the same yards you've been on. So evidently, you can't lone wolf this thing and think, yeah, God, I got it. I don't need anybody. That is the devil roars around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know the ones that lions like to eat? Those that are separated, isolated, old, sick, or feeble. We need each other. Say, who is not above... Somebody saying, you know, do you like my collar? I, I caught my collar this time, but last time I wore this shirt, I think I preached the whole time. And the collar was just doing this and everybody was like, should we warn them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you see me heading for a cliff, you should warn me. My pastor used to say, if I'm ever in a fight with a bear, don't help me help the bear. No, you better help me. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you see a bear along the way, say, hey, Sekou, you don't want to go down there. Amen. Bless you, brother. Thank you for the warning. 
There are three levels of relationship in the church, discipleship, fellowship, and leadership. All of these relationships are important because as you come in, discipleship means somebody's teaching you. Fellowship is level. That means that we are having or sharing our lives and our experiences and what God has done. And leadership now means really two things. Number one, it is my job or a leader's job to lead, but by the same token also to serve. So in one part, you actually stand as the tip of the spear, but in all actuality, you also are coming under the congregation in order to serve them. Just like a shepherd leads the sheep where they need to go, but he works for a foundation, a pasture where they can all go and they can all eat what they need to eat in order so that they can grow. You need all three of those, and in some aspect, you will be doing all three of those. But relationships will either launch you or limit you. They will either launch you or limit you. Name a relationship that you have been in in all the years that you have been in relationships, and they've either done one or two things. They have propelled you forward and helped you to grow as a person, or they have held you back and presented challenges that even now some of us still deal with. In the church, we would hope that our relationships are from the aspect of launching the other person towards where God has called them instead of holding them back into some nonsense because we want to act like crabs in a bucket. Y'all know how crabs in a bucket are. Ooh, one's getting out. No, you're not. And that's just not applicable to crabs because people in the hood, people in low-income areas, people that are in certain demographics do it all the time. I don't mean to you know, throw in a sensitive subject out there, but do you know why Sean's comments back in Geo never really, they, they bothered me, but they never bothered me because I've heard that so many times. I talk white was actually told in Job Corps down the street from here in 1993 that I was not black enough to participate in Black History Month by people of my own culture. Because the minute that people around you, and it doesn't matter if you're black or if you're, if you're hood, if you're barrio or if you're trailer, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because you know those people that are like, I can't do no better. And the minute that I see you doing better, I got to figure out some way to bring you down. That's a crab in the bucket mentality. And that is not the way we are supposed to be in the church. If I see God blessing Bobby and just instilling things in him, then my job is to help him get to where he needs to go. Because it isn't about lifting up Bobby. It isn't about lifting up Seku. Jesus says, if I be lifted up. I will draw all men unto me. If he is pouring more of himself into Bobby, then I need to figure out how to get Bobby out there to where more people can see the Jesus in him so that they can be drawn unto the King of King and the Lord of Lords. Instead of working in jealousy and envy and strife because, you know, Mike Johnson, is, is he's doing well. Oh, I'm, we'll have to edit that. Mike's doing well. I'm not supposed to say last names. How come I'm not doing well. How come I don't have the job that Chris has? How come I don't have a car like Robbins? See, there are, there, there, we get caught up in cycles. We learn this from God. But we're supposed to be in a victorious cycle, that every time we go forward, we should be going up. And life has taught us long enough about vicious cycles where we just, 
We have a bad day and it just spirals down. And then something else just triggers it and it just spirals down. And then something else. And, and people around us more often than not are like, I don't want any part of that drama. So they leave us alone in our vicious cycle because they know full well that when we're having the pity parties and the anger and all this, that, and the other, and somebody says, bro, you shouldn't be thinking like, don't you talk to me. You know what? Come out of them, you... <laughs> but we act like that. When you're hurt, believe me, you, when you're hurt, you will lash out at whoever, no matter how much you love them. When you are hurting, you will lash out. That's a vicious cycle. And completely opposite to what Christ tells us, that if, if, if number one, if, we go, if we're hurting, we should go to him and trust him. We lash out because we don't trust who's around us to keep from hurting us. And sometimes we bring that into the church. Interacting is sharing and receiving from one another's grace. Not our flesh, not our attitudes, not our uh, pride, not our mindset, but from our grace. What God has built and instilled and given us a, the ability to do that is what each and every one of us are called to share with each other and receive from each other so that we can grow. There is a scripture, we won't read it for time, First Peter, so just so you know. Uh, but one of the things it talks about is submit to the elders and then submit yourselves to one another. All of it is a part of humbling ourselves. But it's not humbling ourselves to men or women, it's humbling ourselves recognizing that Jesus Christ is the head. And if we recognize that Jesus Christ is ahead, then we lead from humility because we answer to him and we learn and serve in humility because, again, we answer to him. Y'all have seen this, some of y'all that, that know, whether it's at Peddler's or whether it's here, that my whole thing is, it, I'm, like I'm a, I was a manager at Peddler's. I am the shepherding elder, technically pastor here. The thing about it is, is that while I may be responsible for a lot, when I, like a, like a superintendent or a principal, when they go in a teacher's classroom, who's in charge of that classroom? Teacher. The teacher. Even though that's their boss that walks in, that's still that teacher's classroom. And so when it comes to something music related, I go to Kevin because that's his department. Or hospitality or, or building, I go to art or I go, or I go to Deb or I go to art or whatever the case may be. That's humility and that's coming under one another so that when you say, well, you're the pastor, you should be able to do anything you want. That is not the attitude of humility or servitude, and that's dangerous to the church. Not only are we required to be active wherever it is that we go, but we're also required to stay active. We don't get there and get frustrated and go, you know what, I'm just going to shut down. Jesus told his 10 servants, he says, I'm going away to a far country. He gave them 10 minas and said to them, in King James, he says, occupy till I come. In the new King James, he says, do business till I come. In other words, until I come back, you should be working. You shouldn't be sitting in a rapture rocking chair just waiting on Jesus to come back because this world is just too much. You should be working. Wherever it is that he placed you, you should be working. Even in an environment that you don't like or you don't know, if he put you there, you should be working. You should be doing kingdom business until Jesus comes back. Yes. 
no matter where it is that he placed you. So the second thing that we learn is that we interact where we are at. The last thing that we learn from Barnabas's ministry is that he also was sent from this place forward in his ministry. In Acts, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 3, they all meet, they all sit down. It says, now there was a church that was at Antioch, same church we're talking about, this a year later, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul who eventually would become Paul. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. Would to God that we did that more. And the Holy Ghost said, separate to me or separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Separate unto me from this gathering. In other words, Saul and Barnabas are here working, praying, fasting, serving, and God says, all right, now it's time for me to launch you forward. You are not called to sit in these chairs all day for years on end and do nothing. There may be a day or a time when God says, okay, I put you somewhere where you weren't comfortable. I had you work there in order to grow, but now it's time for you to spread your wings and fly to the next place that I call you. I'm not saying that because I'm leaving, but what I'm saying is because sometimes we can get comfortable once we get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And God says, now I got to stir up the nest and send you out to where you need to be for the next step of your journey. Each and every one of these steps that God orders is there to teach us and help us to grow. Antioch was just one stage in the journey for Barnabas and Saul because when they left from this ministry to go out, you now start to see where normally it's Barnabas who steps out and works. Saul gets filled with the Holy Ghost, starts stepping in his calling even further, and next thing you know, he goes from Saul to Paul. But all of this growing happens in Antioch. And remaining there in that stage that God had called them to. There is a principle in scripture about when the, Arca, or when the, when the uh, people from the wilderness, from Egypt, were moving through the wilderness into Canaan's land. When the fire of God was burning and moving, what were the people expected to do? When the fire or the cloud stopped moving, what were the people expected to do? Stop. Stop. Red light, green light. And for us as Christians, if we spent more time listening to the Holy Spirit, we would find him saying, stay put. Now it's time to go. Stay put. Now it's time to go. If we don't listen to him, we're going, I'm not happy with this place. I'm going to move here. I don't like this place. I'm going to move here. And then wonder why we're not where we feel we should be. But with God, he has places for you to go and sometimes to stop and stay a while. And then to get up and move and go forward and then to stop and stay a while. And Barnabas is a great example of this to each and every one of us. Number one, when he left this place, God said, separate unto me. That didn't mean that they just got irritated and left. It meant that, you know what? They may leave us, but they are staying with God and doing God's work wherever it is that he has called them to. And we should be elated. When God says, separate unto me, Bobby, 
for the work that I called him to do. And we slap his head with oil and we send him out. I mean, we send him out, you know. Good. <laughs> we don't send him out like that. We should be happy to see God advancing him because we're all a part of him moving on. That's the way that we're supposed to leave wherever it is that God called us. And he says, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. If you leave here, that is not retirement. That is God has equipped you to go to the next place he has called you so that you can continue the work there and take forward everything that you have gained. I'm going to close because of time. Yes. <laughs> there are three things that we get from Barnabas's example. Number one, that we go where we are sent. Number two, we interact where we are at. Some of us are part of multiple churches, but I guarantee you we're not sitting on our leaves in any of the churches that we're at. We're active. We're busy. Even if we're just sharing a kind word or exhorting. Barnabas, son of encouragement, do you realize how much just an encouraging word, even if you're visiting a church, can help somebody? And that's what you're there for. You're thinking you're there to hear this, that, and the other. And God says, I'm bringing you here so that you can speak a word of encouragement from an outside source that's going to bless somebody and send them on a victorious cycle instead of a, a vicious one. We also learn that we take forward, when God tells us to move, what we have gained in the place that he has called us to serve. We don't just move on and forget it and shake the dust off our feet. Every church that I have been a part of, even if I wasn't serving, Zion Baptist Church, I remember and take forward a lot of the things that I learned in Zion Baptist Church. Everlasting Covenant, the church where I was ordained, I take a lot of things forward from the experiences that I've learned at that church. The church behind the walls or the church at CACF. I take a lot of things forward from that experience of what God showed me in that environment. And whenever God says, I am branching you out from to the least of these, I will be taking many, many things which have been developed and instilled in me because of this environment to the next one. And that should be the way that we all are. But one more thing that we won't preach on, but we will bring up. We are advancing the kingdom with Christ wherever it is that he put us. And that is our mission. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the great uh, commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All authority. All authority. Go therefore. The therefore is based on the fact that all authority has been given to our head, the head of the body of Christ, Jesus himself. He says, because of that, now go therefore. Wherever it is that I call you, wherever it is that I send you, go therefore and work. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he leaves this. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. If you end up in an environment that you think is strange, you feel like you don't fit, you feel like an outsider, just give it time. If God called you to that environment, the reason why will show up eventually. You may, you may go through a rough road like some people in here have. 
But you will find out eventually, if you stay the course, why God placed you where he placed you. And not only will it be a blessing for your development, your growth, but it would also be a blessing for our growth, our development, or wherever it is that God may call you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, we bless you. We thank you that you know better. You know where we should be, and you have placed us where we should go. We thank you that even though we may not be comfortable, we are being challenged. We are learning. We are contributing. We are growing because of where you placed us. And we thank you that you are preparing us for wherever it is that you take us from this point. So we thank you for this opportunity. And Father, I just bless you and, and ask that you unleash and release the gifts that are in this church that are being held back sometimes by our own pride, our own confusion, our own ego, our own insecurity, or whatever the case may be. But Father, I ask that you stir up the gifts that you have put on the inside of us and that you embolden us to work by your grace and release what you have given us so that each and every one of us can leave edified and encouraged and be equipped for the next place that you call each and every one of us on your kingdom business. And if it is that we are misunderstanding or don't know what you have put us here for or what you have gifted us to do in this environment, I pray, Father, that either you open their eyes or you put them around people that can help them to understand what their gifting is rather than what they think their gifting is so that we can all be edified and built up and grow in what you have called us in. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. God, thank you for this wonderful environment. Would you all stand? Y'all gonna preach one more before we read the benediction. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a job to do here. And we're all expecting you to do it. <laughs> Little Ruth is like, mm. <laughs> We all have a job to do. But praise God that he put us here in an environment that our gifts can flourish and grow and prepare us for where we need to go. Does that mean that we're perfect? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we don't have rough edges? We got more rough edges than some people. But the thing, about it, the thing about it is, is that at least we can be real about our rough edges and what irritates us about one another and then start to say, you know what, Mike, when we get into a certain type of argument, it really grieves my heart. What can we do so that we can retain the Christ relationship in both of us so that we can move forward and be the men that God called us to be? And all of a sudden we start walking where we agree. And if we walk where we agree, then every area where we disagree then becomes a conversation. But we preserve our unity so that each and every one of us can grow because of each and every one of us. Would you all lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, let the church say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.